0: And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Proverbs. The Old Testament book of Proverbs and chapter number one, the Old Testament book of Proverbs and chapter number one. We're continuing with our little mini-series dealing with the five types of fools, that there are five different Hebrew words that are translated into the word fool, and to be able to do a study of them opens up our understanding of how to help others. So if you don't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Proverbs, Proverbs and chapter number one. The book of Proverbs and chapter number one is our jumping off text and we will explore some more. The book of Proverbs chapter one, and notice with me if you don't mind in verse number seven. The book of Proverbs chapter one and verse number seven, the Bible says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God and thank you for what you've been doing this week. Thank you for the answers to prayer. Thank you for how you've been moving and guiding and directing. And now as we come up to you tonight, we're just asking that you would do a work for eternity's sake, that you would open up this passage, that you would just help us to have a mind to hear, help us to let this be a help to so many other people that we have an understanding and that we could find out where people are at and help them. And Lord, because I dare not trust my own, I can't trust my intellect, my own oratory skills, I must have you so the best I know how I surrender myself to you, my thoughts, my ambitions, my goal, my speech, my tongue, my throat, what I want to get accomplished. Lord, that's all on you now. And whatever you want to get accomplished tonight, we can trust you. In your name we pray, amen. Good. So in the Hebrew language, there are five different words that are translated into our word fool. Now we've been studying these five types of fools in order and we have already hit the simple fool. If you remember, the simple fool is the fool who has no discernment. He cannot understand right and wrong, has no discernment of consequences that if I do this, this is what's going to happen. We would often call them naive. They're easily deceived. They're easily led astray. They are often called the simple and just called the simple all throughout the book of Proverbs. Then after that, if that fool is not corrected, if they are not disciplined if they're not shown correction then they will progress to a worse type of fool which is called the silly fool the silly fool has gone so long without any kind of correction that they start to believe that they're entitled and then they begin to throw fits if someone dares tell them no if they try to correct their behavior they kick and they scream one of the big characteristics is their mouth is that they let everyone know that they're not happy because they did not get their way they expect everyone to serve and treat them and to cater to them. Now, if that fool is not corrected, then as we talked about last week, they will turn to the sensual fool. The sensual fool has now turned and now they are starting to get consequences. They're starting to bend it towards sin. Now, whereas before the simple fool just didn't understand that there was consequences. The uh, silly fool just didn't realize consequences for them, but they would still feel guilty if they did wrong. There was some guilt there. Now we come to the sensual fools we talked about last week. They're about the here and the now. What pleases me now? Their God is their belly, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, and that they are all about getting in trouble. They're now thrive and uh, enjoy getting into trouble. And they become mouthy as the idea they begin to mouth off. That when biblical authority tells them something, they talk back. Now we're going to cover today the scorning fool. And then if they are not stopped by this point, they'll get to the worst type of fool, the steadfast fool. A fool is someone who does not follow the wisdom of God. That's what we saw in Proverbs 1.7. Is that fools despise wisdom and instruction. That when God gives them instruction through biblical authority, they despise it. They ignore it. It's not from me. I know better. Now distinguishing these fools will help us when we are trying to counsel And try to help with this type of fool and the type of counseling they need. Each one of these five types of fools are treated and taken care of differently. And so if you try to take care of a scorning fool the same way you took care of a simple fool, you're not going to get the same result. You have to know where they're at and how to help them. We know that there are different degrees of fools, and that they're going through steps of progression, or if you will, degression. They get worse and worse and worse. They do not get better by themselves. If I could just stamp that somewhere, if I could grab a hold of parents, if I could grab a hold of people and just say, they don't get better by themselves! You have to intervene. You have to do something. They do not get better by themselves. You do have to stop them before they get too far. You have to stop them and bring them back and to teach them and to guide them so they do not go too far. Tonight, we're going to talk about the fourth type of fool, the scorning fool. The scorning fool. This scorning fool, the Hebrew word is lutz, it carries the idea of makes mouth at someone that is mouthy. Now, if you notice, the last three types of fools have all had mouthy characteristics. The first fool used his mouth to let everyone know that he was displeased, meaning the uh, silly fool. The sensual fool is the one who used his mouth to start talking back. This fool too is also going to be known by his mouth. They are very easy to detect. Why? They use their facial expressions to communicate disdain and contempt for almost all authority. This is a type of fool that they speak with their body language, and you could tell they are not happy. Most of us have seen this, especially through 2020 and all of the things going on with different biblical authority, that all you have to do is say, police officer. and you watch their face. You watch as they get disdain. These type of fools do not like any type of authority, whether it's a teacher, parent, government, pastor, any type of authority. They, They use their facial expressions to express and communicate this disdain. He is one that has not only rejected the truth, but has embraced that which is an abomination to the Lord. And because of that, the Bible labels them as a scorner. You'll be able to see this throughout the Bible because they are called a scorner, a scorner. So we have the simple that's easily identified because they're called the simple. The scorning type of fool is actually called a scorner all throughout the book of Proverbs. For example, Proverbs 122. How long ye simple ones will you love simplicity and scorners delight in their scorning? and fools hate knowledge. In this one verse, we have three different types of fools that are mentioned here. So the simple, the scorners, and another type of fool. But the scorners are known for their scorning. It is not only their behavior, it is their attitude. Their attitude towards authority, it reeks off of them. Many, many of us have had encounters of that where we could remember seeing someone who just had that scorning attitude. It just permeates off of them. You know what they're feeling just by looking at them. They just carry that disdain with them in their entire body language. He often mocks and mimics God's people in disdain and ridicules God's people for their righteous standards and conducts. What does this look like? church. You church people, you know, you see that. They ridicule. Yeah, we're good. A lot of good that Bible did for you. Oh, your church thing. Well, your church didn't do a lot of good for you, did it? Their attitude. Revival meeting. You're going to church on a Wednesday night. Are you out of your mind? They just carry with it. their and You have uh, someone who tries to carry, for example, we encourage ladies because of our belief in, uh, excuse me, and our belief of modesty and identity that many of our ladies choose to wear dresses throughout their work week. And some of those scorners come up there, they, why are you wearing a dress? They didn't say anything at all. They're just minding their own business. I can't believe you would do that. They have a disdain for anything, whether it's the Bible, whether it's standards, going to church, just saying God's name in public. Again, we could tell that we're in a place where we're surrounded by fools. You said Jesus name. How dare you? And then they hashtag cancel us or whatever they're going to do for that. We're just living in a fooldom now and it's getting worse and worse and worse. They are just full of disdain. They cannot wait to hop on the bandwagon to say where you are wrong because you dare have a standard, because you dare believe in the Bible, because you dare believe in God, because you dare go to church, because you dare try to raise your kids upright. The scorner has no capacity to respond to wisdom. Now, this is going to be important. Now, we've already talked a couple fools back that we reached to the limit where you cannot reason with these people. The scorner more so, you do not get in a discussion with a scorner. You're not going to logic them. It will not work. This is not, they do not understand wisdom. It's beyond them. You could, you could list out the most logical biblical argument you possibly could. They, they cannot have, they don't have the capacity to understand it, to process it. It does not compute. Now, Several years ago, I preached a message talking about the transformed mind uh, compared to the conformed, to God's image. And that we saw there that the two ways of thinking are gotten so far apart that they can't understand. We don't understand how they think, and they don't understand how we think. You see, it's got to the place there where these fools have gotten so far away from biblical knowledge that they just cannot understand the way we would think. They just, they cannot fathom. It can't even enter in. It doesn't compute. Now, that's important when you start dealing with them, you are not going to logic them. The Bible says in Proverbs 14:6, a scorner seeketh wisdom and findeth it not. But knowledge is easy to him that understand it. The Bible here is placing an emphasis here that a scorner, even if he was to look for wisdom, wouldn't recognize it if it hit him in the face. They just had no capacity to understand wisdom. It does not compute. You say, well, how do we deal with them? Now, we're going to talk about that. But you understand we're getting into an area of, of difficulty now that if we've allowed someone in our lives to enter into this type of fooldom, it is going to be a hard battle to get them back. That's why we like to stop them before they get here. But when they get here, it is going to be very difficult. The reason why he does not understand wisdom is because he rejects instruction. By the way, it begins with his parents' instruction. Now, we've already traced this progression. Where do fools come from? The home. Parents refuse to be the parents. And because they refuse to be the parents, the children grew up not understanding there's consequences for their actions. Whether the parents refused to discipline or even worse yet, they protected them from consequences and didn't allow the consequences to harm them. So now they grow up not thinking about consequences, thinking they could do whatever they want. They progress to be a f- different fool. And see, it all began that they rejected their parents' authority. By the time they hit the second type of fool, they're starting to get to the place where they don't care what the parents say. The parents have already failed them. So my parents didn't want to be the parents, so why do I listen to them? Why should I listen to them now? And then it gets worse and worse and worse. Again, we can trace this idea of fooldom all the way back up to the home from the very beginning. This is why working on homes is so important. The Bible says in Proverbs 14, 6, A wise son heareth his father's instruction, but a scorner heareth not rebuke. The parents can try to speak to them, and they don't understand. Now, I don't care what you say. What are you talking about, old man? I don't have to listen to you. I could do whatever I want. I'm nine years old. You don't tell me what time I have a bedtime. They get to the place where they've utterly rejected their parents' authority. They don't hear the rebuke. All fools start with the rejection of the instruction at home. They reject their parents' authority. And when they reject their parents' authority, they reject all other authority. It stems from not having the correct discipline at home. Again, I'm repeating myself now. Anyone who tries to discipline the scorner who is unauthorized will pay for it. Now, this is important because we're talking about counseling. Unless you are part of their biblical chain of command, don't touch them. Now, so many people think that they're smart enough, spiritual enough, big and bad enough to correct a fool. If you are not in their chain of command, you are under a biblical mandate not to. Amen. You are not as good as you think you are to try to wrestle knowledge back in this fool. This has to go through the correct biblical authority if they're going to learn. Does that make sense? And so (laughs) this is where we start to get helpless because now we want to, we all want to jump in. We all want to help out, but we're going to make things worse if we are not in that biblical chain of command. This is why it's the parent's job to discipline their kids. Some of the most foolish things I've ever heard is some parents say, hey, you so-and-so, can you spank my child for me? No. No. That happens. It's your job. By the way, we get this all the time working with the police. My kid won't do his homework. Then why are you calling me? But can you tell her, no, it's your job. (laughs) It's a parent's responsibility, and they can't pass it off to someone. By the way, it is not the government's job to correct the children. It is not the school's job to correct your children. It is not the pastor's job or the church's job to correct the children. It's the parents. It has to go through proper authority. The Bible speaks about this in Proverbs 9 verses 7 and 8. He that reproveth a scorner getteth to him shame. And he that rebuketh a wicked man getteth himself a blot. Reprove not a scorner lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man and he will love thee. Here it's talking about the different ways of accepting rebuke. That if you are right with God, you'll be able to take rebuke even if it comes from an unauthorized source. But for a scorner, if you're not part of that chain of command, you are opening yourself up to be a target for their Hatred, for their bitterness, for their disdain. You understand? You are now opening up self to a target. You don't need that drama. you got enough drama in your own yard. Unauthorized is someone who is not in their direct authority of the individual. You are not their parent. You are not their pastor. You are not their (laughs) boss. You are not their teacher. You are not their husband. Does this make sense? Has to be within that chain of command. When dealing with people, it will help to understand why they react in such a way. Well, here it's because they have a disdain. They hate all authority. And if you don't have the authority and you try to be authority, you are even more a target of their disdain. The Bible says in Proverbs 15, 12, A scorner loveth not one. (laughs) That's an expression. He doesn't love anyone anyone who reproveth him, neither will he go unto the wise. He's not going to look for wisdom. He's not looking for answers. He's already got the world already figured out and nobody can tell him any different. And so anyone who tries to correct him, he will not say thank you for pointing out something that's wrong in my life. He will turn around and say, how dare you show me something that's wrong in my life? It's not even something wrong with life. It's something wrong with you. He will not seek instruction nor accept instruction. I cannot tell you how many times the Christians, including me, have attempted in our folly to correct someone, and then we wonder how come they didn't accept what I told them. Well, they rejected you. You're not part of that authorized, and they're Joyce. They're going to reject your authority. They're not going to listen to your well-constructed biblical, logical argument. It's not going to work. It is vital that the scorner receives proper discipline and be separated from those that he hangs around, the scorning crowd. So if you get to the place where they're still living in your house under your roof, you've got work to do. First of all, proper discipline. Cannot overstate. This is how they understand correction is that they're going to have to be basically confronted with it painfully. And you have to get them away from that scorning crowd because that scorning crowd will feed that. You have to separate them. And by the way, by this time, this is drastic steps. This is you putting them somewhere and moving them type thing. Smite a scorner, the Bible says in Proverbs nineteen twenty five, and the simple will beware. Reprove one that hath understanding and he will love understand, uh, knowledge. Notice this and keep this in mind. Smite a scorner, and the simple will beware. Notice what we're doing here. The other fools are attracted to the scorner. We had talked about that before. The scorner's their hero. This big bad person who's getting away with everything. The person who's go- shoving it against the authority. All these other fools say, "Man, this guy's great. Look at him. He's my hero." And so, in order to get a hold of those other fools, we have to correct that scorner properly. You may not be able to help the scorner, but instead you could help other fools with the example of discipline. That's why the scorners, we're starting into the place where we're not going to be able to help them that much. It's going to take dramatic things. But now we have to work about everybody else. If they see that there's punishment, then they'll go, maybe I shouldn't do that. Their heroes need to be disciplined correctly. Now, I understand this goes against the American justice system as it lies now. Because as it lies now, you don't go to jail for nothing now. (laughs) You, you You could pretty much do anything and you won't go to jail. You'll be out very quickly. There's no punishment today. and Because there's no punishment, it allows more fools to breed. Because look, they're getting away with it. Why can't I do it? The Bible says in Proverbs 21.11, when the scorner is punished, the simple is made wise. (laughs) They look up, I don't want that. And when the wise are instructed, he receiveth knowledge. Now again, this is Bible speaking. Doesn't God know more about us than what we know about ourselves? Absolutely. And so we have to understand here that we can't just let the scorners go off scot-free. They need to be corrected even if it doesn't feel like we're going to help them because it's going to help someone who's watching that fool. When you deal with young people, if you could see what happens with the fools, it will help you deal with the young people. If you get teenagers, they need to see that people will get in trouble if they do wrong. They need to see that. The Bible says, cast out the scorner and contention shall go out. Yea, strife and reproach, shall cease. Now, this is where we start getting to practicality inside of a church. There are times that you could help people and there are times you cannot help people. We understand there are a lot of people that are time wasters. What do I mean by that? You're never going to help them, but you spend so much energy trying to help them that you neglect everyone else who wants the help. They teach us that as school teachers inside of a high school. You know, you could spend a lot of time working with the troubled kids to the neglect of the kids who could actually blossom and do something. Now, I'm not saying neglect the troublemakers, but the troublemakers suck up a lot of time. And there may be some kid who could just blossom with some tutelage, with some love, with some things and blossom and become something great. But because that time is all spent on that scorner, they go, well, I guess I'm not worth anything, and they stop trying. There are times you need to consider the other people around the situation. Let's give an example, all right? Let's say that we have a thriving youth ministry, and in that youth ministry, we have a scorner. Do we keep the scorner in there? No. But don't you understand? We've got to help all the kids. No, the other kids in there need to be helped and they're not going to be helped as long as that scorners in there causing problems. One of the things we've got camp coming up in another week. You know, one of the wonderful things about camp is to have 200 teenagers, 300 teenagers who all love the Lord, singing loud, glad to be there, wanting to know more about the Bible. That's a healthy youth group. We don't want the scorners to infect that and destroy that. Does it make sense? Now, I understand there's different philosophies. We just have to apply as the Bible gives to us. That if there's a scorner who's going to spend all of Sunday school class, (sighs) it may be better for them to go sit with their parents than be in that youth class. Or if you could have someone who could give them special attention outside of the class. Great, wonderful, if you have the personnel for it. But you understand, we have to go and help the people that can be helped. Does that make sense? I understand this starts to become unpopular now. But we have to look out and follow the Bible procedures. What does the Bible have to say? And who is going to be the best benefit? The person who at the very end is going to hate our guts? Or the people with some love and attention who could blossom for the Lord. So let's go over some of these characteristics of a scorning fool. They get simple fools to do evil. We covered that earlier. That these are the people that love to get the people who have no discernment. Hey man, why don't you go steal this car with me? Nothing will happen to you. Hey, why don't you skip class? Nothing will happen to you. Hey, why don't you sneak out of your window at night and your parents won't mind. You won't get in trouble. Nothing will happen to you. Hey, why don't you try this drug? Why don't you? Try? They love to get these simple fools to do something wrong. They love doing that, taking the innocence away from someone. They despise rules and authorities. May I go back to that first one? One of the things that... <laughs> Again, forgive if I do so many chaplain things. One of the things that they find when they are uh, looking for predators and whatnot is that the predators in the bars do not go after the ladies who are not dressed well. What they're looking for is the girl who looks uncomfortable being in the bar. Maybe it was her first time and her friends got her to go there. And those scorner type of fools who love to prey on someone and ruin someone's life, they look for the girl who's still dressed. They look for the girl who looks innocent. They look for the girl who looks out of place. And they go for her to do a drug, to convince her to do something, to violate her. They look for that. Again, I work with the police. This is statistic-wide, nationwide, what they're looking for. They're looking for that innocent looking girl. That's what scorners do. The scorners despise rules and they despise authority. It's on their face. They're the kid in class. Teacher's not going to tell me what to do. I don't care what you tell teacher. What are you going to do about it? Or parent or grandparent or pastor or whatever else. They create unrest and contention. This is one of their big things. They love to stir up fights. They love to stir up contention. They love to get authority to lose their mind and start throwing things because they want attention. That's what they look forward to is trying to get authority riled up. They feel better about themselves if authority loses their testimony. And they are proud of their evil exploits. They wear it as a badge and it attracts the other fools who are starting to look about getting into trouble. And that trouble looks like it is fun. These are the characteristics. So how do we treat a fool who's now become a scorner? How do we treat someone like this? First of all, confine to constant supervision. If you are part of their biblical authority and you honestly want to help them, you give them constant supervision. What do you mean by that? Constant means constant all the time. There should not be a time where you're not watching them during this treatment. Well, there goes the American psychology idea. They need constant thing, constant. They need to make where they cannot get in trouble. So sometimes this means that they have to be in a facility not, or a work camp or something where people are monitoring them. You have to give them constant supervision. You cannot give them time alone. Publicly punish for crimes. They need to be publicly punished. You don't sweep it under the rug. They need to be publicly punished. If they are going to truly be corrected, they need to be taught there are severe consequences for severe actions. We need to remove from contact with others, especially other scorners, but we need to get them to the place where they're not stirring up everyone else. You say, well, this is rough stuff. I know, but we're getting to the place where this is the only way to help them. There is no other way. They will not get better by themselves. Now notice this. This is the big one. Require hard work and restitution. That hard work, let's define hard work because we know we live in a time when people don't know what hard work is. There's a nice uh, phrase that I like, sweat equity. Hard work means they're breaking a sweat. Put them on a farm and bale hay for a summer. Let him work with brother Eric Joss for a while. Hard work. Physical labor. Planting crops. Working with their hands. Doing something. Hard work. I know that we live in a country today that doesn't know anything about hard work. They know how to occupy time and sit around a water cooler for eight hours and get paid for doing nothing. But that's not how to help a fool, not a scorner. Hard work. So think about this. If we're gonna truly help a scorner, this is what we're reduced to. Constant supervision. They need to be at a place where someone is watching them all the time. But what about my privacy? I know it's, Americans will hate this, but this is what's needed. It's, you come to the idea, do I do what's popular or I do what's going to help? Constant supervision, publicly punish for crimes, remove contact from others, get them away, brand new start, brand new area, do something, and then require hard work. You understand that hard work has been the answer all along? It is the answer to a lot of fooldoms. Let me start here. Parents, teach your kids from young to work you want to prevent a fool, you teach them to work. You give them a job right away and you give them more jobs. I know it's anti-American because they were teaching them that they're supposed to play video games all day. Work. Work. Mow the lawn. No allowance. You know, just allow them to live. Work. You work. Dishes. I don't remember what time age I had my kids doing dishes. And by the way, I'm not the standard. But we taught our kids to work early. They're not perfect, but they know how to work. And that's what they're supposed to do. You say, what time do I give them a job? Not when they're 18. Early. Work. And work them more. Give them more jobs, more responsibilities. You don't want to give them time to be a fool. Now pause. I want you to think... We all know fools in our life during the spectrum. How many of those fools actually have a hard-working job? Don't answer, but think about that. Isn't that interesting to think about? How many fools don't have a hard-working job? Or no job at all? They have time to be fools. Let me tell you, you put someone on a ranch or a farm during hay baling season, there's no time to be a fool. You work you until you're tired, and then you're too tired to do anything, you're going to go to sleep, and then wake up and do it again. And you may hate baling hay for them on, but let me tell you, you get that fooldom worked out of you. You understand this is a biblical principle all throughout there. May I give you one instance where the Bible speaks about this? The book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. The book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Notice there's a couple different verses that we want to see here. And again, I encourage you for your own sake to actually look it up for yourself to see what the Bible has to say. (laughs) 1 Thessalonians chapter number 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 3 and see that's why I said to do it because I did the wrong passage. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. That's supposed to be a 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and notice with me in verse 10. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10. Notice what it says. <laughs> not because we have not but to make ourselves an example for us to follow. Verse uh, nine, that was verse nine, verse 10. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you that if any, I like that word any, any would not work, neither shall he eat. Put them to work early. We're gonna finish this passage, but it starts off here and it says, listen, let's just put this on the bottom shelf. If you don't work, you don't eat. I mean, what about a child? Yeah, teach them to do chores. Amen. You know, what's wrong with having a three year old that have to clean up their room before they go to bed? Amen. I mean, that's a good skill to develop. What's wrong with a seven year old being taught how to do their own laundry? Being taught how to do dishes? By the time they're nine, mowing the lawn by themselves without supervision and doing it right, using the weed eater. Or you could do what my parents did. We we got in really bad trouble. We had to take the old sling hole. If you don't know what a sling hole is, I Google that thing. There's no automatic thing about it. You want to cut a yard with a sling hole? Let me tell you, you'll start uh, learning not to be a fool immediately. There was one time we got in lots of trouble. My parents made me take a hedge clipper's Hands and knees and cut our whole yawn. Teach us not to be a fool immediately. There's something you could teach kids to work. Yep. And it will not hurt them. It will help them. Yep. It will help them. Put them to work immediately. You want to prevent fooldom? Put them to work. Put them to work. Verse number 11. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly. Now we understand that this is talking a little bit different. But can we apply this? Wasn't a scorner characteristic is that they called cause disorder and strife? So what do you do about the people that are walking disorderly? Working not at all. You see that they walk disorderly. Working not at all. You know what God is pointing out? What's part of their problem? They're not working. They're not working. But our busybodies. What's a different word for busybody? Class? Gossip. Gossip. They have time to jabber jaw. That's the only muscle they've been working. Because they're not working. Verse 12 Now, them which are such, meaning the such that are disorderly, we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work. Now, this is one passage. There is a great study of the blessings of work. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, some people believe that God gave them work to punish them. No, he already told them to work before they messed up. But you know what he said as part of the thing they give him? I'm giving you this hard work for your sake. God says, I know that you're bent to get in trouble. So in order not to get in trouble, I'm going to make work hard for you. You are going to have to sweat and you're going to have to work for it. Why? For your sake. And that's Genesis. You trace work all throughout the Bible. And you could see that this has been God's answer the whole time. Is it any wonder, just kind of a curiosity, this correlation of the increase of fools in America and the increase of lack of work ethic? Almost makes you think a little bit. But if we're dealing with an individual and we truly want that individual to be cured, we start them working. If you have a fo- young fool who's just a simple fool, get them to work. If they're already progressing, get them to work. Get them to work. And the Bible already talked about what's the answer to the scorner? Get them to work. Work hard. Sweat should be coming off the brow. They should feel it when they lay down at night, right? Amen, guys? <laughs> There's something about work. We were created to work, and work keeps us out of trouble. So let me ask you how's your work ethic? Now, again, there's a lot of people who major at staying busy, but not getting anything done. How do you work? Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your savior, let me beg you to take the time